Hello and welcome to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we are sitting down with Nate, Matthew, Kelsey, and Tara, myself, and we're going to be discussing deep dive into deep fakes. So before we get into the subject at hand, as always, we like to kind of kick it off with some introductions and our famous icebreakers. So I will go first, but the question if you guys want to know ahead of time is if you had to have your favorite music stuck on one radio station permanently, what would that be? So um, this is Tara, um, also known as one of the marketing gals, and I would say I can't pick a favorite. I am a channel surfer if I'm listening to music. Otherwise, I have an audio book. So that would be for me. But I'm going to toss it over to Kelsey and she can give us her insight. I love that answer. No, I was thinking about it that I was like, man, one radio station for the rest of my life would probably be Alt Nation on Sirius XM, only because I feel like they're just as sick as my music choices tend to be. So it kind of gives me the variety while still being stuck on one, most likely. But what about you, Nate? Yeah, I'm Nate. I'm a cybersecurity director. Um, you guys keep catching me with the, the music one. <laughs> um, on, on Spotify, I, again, I think I made the joke about impending doom last time, and unfortunately, I listened to a lot of impending doom radio, so uh, <laughs> it's kind of the heavy metal. I love it. So, how about you, Matthew? Um, being Australian, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Triple J. Uh, so I think I think Triple J. Otherwise, I don't know NPR programming. I know it's not music, but I could and do regularly just have that on as background noise so they, they have music on saturdays so they do yeah that's great uh, nate with your impending doom i think that maybe goes with the territory of cybersecurity and like <laughs> what's all out there and what's coming but um i'll get us back on track so we talked about we're going to do the deep dive into deep fakes so nate i'm going to kind of throw this over to you is what are deep fakes let's talk about that yeah, deepfakes. This is a really interesting conversation, and I'm happy we're doing it today because we were joking about this for quite some time. Um, it's it's a serious thing, but it's one of those ones where um, it's really becoming something that's prevalent in our society today, um, especially over the last couple of years. Uh, so a deepfake, for those that aren't familiar, is essentially audio or video digital alterate alterations uh, to someone's appearance or vocal you know, speech pattern, something like that. So really what this is intended to do is allowing the ability to like match someone's voice and then make it say something else. Um, or for example, on video, you can do something like changing someone's appearance to make them look younger or older. You know, we see this all, all the time on things like um, you know, Snapchat filters or something where, you know, you're adding a beard to someone or removing a beard or whatever it is, right? Um, now, this is, those are more filters rather than true deep fakes, but kind of the same premise uh, to at least start the conversation. Um, you can do things such as replacing someone's face and then making that person say something so it looks like someone else that was actually doing it, right? So, We've seen this with, there's something floating around the internet of um, Mark Zuckerberg sitting in court and they stuck, you know, Star Trek faces on them and, you know, that kind of stuff or, you know, lizard heads or whatever it is. But 
some really interesting, fun, creative deep fakes out there. So how do you even generate these things? Um, essentially what happens is you will take someone's voice or video and start feeding into a computer to start doing some machine learning and artificial intelligence to define what the speech patterns, you know, the cadence, the intonations of someone. Um, so perfect example. I didn't get to do this, but I was going to go steal one of our podcasts and jam it through a thing and hopefully have a uh, deep fake on this podcast. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to do that. But once you feed the system that you know, data, it's going to go do something like 10,000, 50,000 iterations of that voice to ensure that its synthesis is the same as what the original input looks like. Um, typically, you'll see things like 30 minutes, 20 minutes using as a pretty standard baseline to get a solid deep fake. There are some solutions out there that can get a rough estimate within like five seconds of audio. So um, some of those pieces of software are pretty expensive, but that's essentially what the deep fakes are, how they're generally being used, and then how are they actually being generated for further use. So, um, Matthew, yeah. can you even, <laughs> is this uh, one of those things where we're only seeing this on like nation states or? Yeah, um, I, let, let's, let's start with that. No, in short, not only is this software, you know, pretty easy to find, it's made by companies that you know the names of. Um, Adobe has software that can do this. Um, we're, we're seeing it across the board. I, I, one of my favorite things I found out about the other day is a software that allows you to edit photos and drawings that you've done to add additional light sources, and it will automatically add shadows and additional changes to the image for you. You can choose whether it's blue light, yellow light, and it will start using AI and, and effectively the same backend of deepfake to change the image for you on the fly. There's real uses for this and, and how it's being implemented. And then we're starting to see it in places that we really don't want to see it. You know, the byproduct is that if you invent something cool, someone is going to try and use it for nefarious means. So as part of that, there have already been quite a few instances where people are actively using deep fakes and, and creating deep fakes to manipulate companies or organizations, um, individuals even in some smaller cases. But the, the really big ones that come to mind are the, uh, the situation in the UAE um, with their bank in Hong Kong of the company who uh, managed to, to get $35 million out of this bank by having a, a director's voice was deep faked and the policies and process in place didn't mitigate this issue and that money was transferred. Uh, granted, we're, we're talking about a very specific attack here, someone who very clearly had a plan and a goal, uh, but it's changing, it's becoming more available. Uh, I'm sure the cost back then to get that deep fake ready, this was in early 2000, was far more significant than it would be now to do the same thing. So it's something we need to be aware of from that perspective. Uh, we're, we're already seeing it pop up on TikTok uh, with, with people creating fake personas with their own voice and their own facial features that are 
completely unique that they can then use as a real life avatar to uh, <laughs> to be a person where we're, we're seeing these types of things all over the place. And we know that people creating fake profiles is not uncommon. I mean, people have done this on LinkedIn for, for positions in companies even. Um, but when you can start adding a full person behind this, effectively someone who in, a, in our remote in, a, in the remote workplace that we we live in now, you may never meet someone you've worked with and they could be a deep fake if someone's willing to put in that amount of time. <laughs> Again, I'll mention I'm paranoid uh, because I think that needs to be covered every time I'm on this podcast. But that's the things that myself uh, and I know Nate as well, we're, we're thinking about on a, if not hourly, then daily basis. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I, I guess since you brought up the the UAE situation, we can keep jamming down a couple of the the negative sides. And I do want to be you know super clear: is deepfakes aren't necessarily bad. Um, you know, it, it's just technology. And it, you know, like Matthew said, anytime there's really good technology, it will be abused. You know, it, it's just that's people. Um, I know a couple of years before the UAE one, there was an energy company in the UK that lost, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars just because they impersonated the the CEO's voice. So, a lot smaller than thirty five million, but that's real money, uh, right? And then, um, I guess some of the ones that come to mind most for me, and this is probably where we've seen a lot of the. Uh, the light of some of this deep fake stuff come really to fruition and in the eyes of the public has been the political influence and disinformation campaigns that happen. Um, you know, so it, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about politics. I'm not getting deep into it. So, you know, we're not going to start any arguments here today, but um, a couple deep fakes, you know, back in 2019, 2020, there was a campaign for against Nancy Pelosi. Uh, right. It, it kind of altered the cadence of her speech, you know, slowed it down a little bit of stuttering, that kind of stuff. Again, confirmed deep fakes. We've seen things with Donald Trump as well. Right. You know, there's uh, both for good and bad. Uh, you know, some South Park used it on one of their shows and that people have then taken his speeches and made him read, you know, books. Uh, if you want to go listen to a book in Donald Trump's voice. Uh, right. But things that are just altering these key public figures that do a lot of speaking engagements. There's a ton of audio out there that people can scrape off to use them. Um, the one that really stood out to me was during this whole Ukrainian Russian war um, back in June was there was the mayor of Berlin had a 15 minute video conversation with who they believed was the Kiev mayor and 15 minutes into this conversation there were some uh, suspicious questions that were being asked you know you can go look it up I'm not going to go through all these questions but it was questions that someone was trying to use to gain some type of inside knowledge to the the al or uh, to the uh, opposition and at that point the call was terminated because it was suspicious so really, really powerful tool that we're seeing real time, you know, as even a, a aspect of war. Uh, so, you know, yeah. if you're not familiar, cyber is a domain of war, just like land, sea, water, um, all that kind of stuff, air.
I will I will mention on that, Nate, it's one of the reasons that deep fakes are so dangerous and, and the examples you've given should highlight that. But I, I want to mention that this is so different from just cutting and pasting different parts of videos together. We're we're very good at seeing those differences, at at finding those. Um, seeing something has moved in the background unexpectedly or that the time, I mean, look at IMDb and just how many set things there are in the goofs section of every episode of every TV show you've never watched. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the type of thing that we're good at finding. But when it comes to defects, because they're being made completely by the machines, the things that we're looking for are completely different now. They're not, oh, something has moved in the background because the background may be real. It's it's the the interaction that you're seeing and at this time they're still pre-recorded for the most part um in in almost every sense so what you're looking for is maybe things that we could attribute to video glitches you know maybe a couple of frame skips or a, a strange voice reaction because the deep fake wasn't able to correctly pronounce a word um when you're seeing recorded video, this is a lot easier to notice. You might see someone's head move in a way that doesn't quite make sense, or it, it's still not perfect, thankfully. Uh, those of you who have seen the uh, Tom Cruise uh, deepfakes that that kind of got really famous in 2019 can re will, will have noticed that. There's a lot of unexpected movements or, or strange movements that you're like, I don't think someone can move their head that way. <laughs> That's the type of thing that we're looking for. And as time goes on, those are going to start to disappear. We're going to have to find different ways of picking it. Um, but for now, the, that's the real distinction is a deep fake is fully made by the computer. The other things that we're used to seeing, things in, in movies or, or TV shows or even some most of the things that we see go viral that are manipulated versions of real video don't meet the deep fake level of what we're talking about here. So I wanted to, if you guys don't mind, pose a question, uh, you know, as we like to keep our podcast educational. So I'm hearing deep fakes can be really, really bad because there's some really cool technology that people can use, but otherwise it can be used in really nice, good cases. But I'm a business owner, you know, put yourself in my shoes. I'm hearing all of this. So I'm thinking, how do I protect my organization and my employees from all of this, because we know cybersecurity, it's every day, ever changing, but what do I do? Yeah, the I guess there's one more threat that I'm gonna bring up, but I'm gonna tie it into what can you do as a business owner. Um, back in June, the FBI did put out a notice saying that deep fakes are being used to actually apply to remote jobs. So now that we're all, or most of us are in some type of hybrid or full remote environment, how are interviews being done? It's remote, right? It's over Teams or Zoom or you name your platform. But this is really, really interesting because deep fakes are being used with stolen, they go steal some type of personally identifiable information about an individual, you know, social security, phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. They tie it into the deep fake, start applying for your job, then you start sending all this business transaction stuff about hiring and all this kind of stuff. You know, you go do whatever, a fake drug test. You give someone access to the network. Now you have someone who might be 
and this warning came out of because North Koreans were applying to remote IT jobs. Um, now you might have just had a North Korean in the network that you thought was sitting local to you or maybe another state away from you. So the government actually did put out a little bit of uh, info on uh, what to look for. And Matthew did touch a little bit on this is first step, train your employees that deepfakes are actually a thing. Um, and then two, you know, looking for those the blurry, shaky videos. Oftentimes, people will shake video a little bit because it's easier on the computer than something that's just perfect. Um, oftentimes, if the lips don't sync up with the audio, that's a good indicator because it's hard to match video and audio together um, when it's all being AI generated. Um, things like, I, I think this is one of the best examples with that Matthew said is. Is there incorrect intonation? So if someone is, you know, asking a question and their voice doesn't go up at the end, maybe that's an indicator, right? And you just start piecing a lot of that together. But just if something seems weird, it's okay to end a call. Yeah. And just a quick point on that. Accents, they're fine. Um <laughs> <laughs> Matthew's a deep fake and he had me fooled yeah. as a, this entire time. So as we know, Australia is not a real country. Um, <laughs> we have we have made this up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I completely agree there. The the part you mentioned at the start of training employees, it's it's not just training employees on on what to look for, right? Because that's obviously important, especially when you can't always trust who you're who is applying for a job that specific training to your onboarding team or your interviewing team is critical. But there's also on the uh, on the other side of things internally, we, we need to talk more about additional policies, additional changes. And yes, I'm a governance risk and compliance analyst. This is what I think about every day. But imagine the the scenario we talked about with uh, the the UAE. Um, and take it internal instead of instead of someone calling out. Imagine instead of those emails that everyone's seeing saying, hey, please update my bank details. Imagine it's a phone call instead. Imagine it's a Teams meeting. Do your current policies ensure that that. Ensure that you're definitely speaking to the person you believe you're speaking to. Do you have enough security in place to ensure that someone can't actively manipulate you because that's what they're trying to do into making these changes that you probably wouldn't have if you hadn't been on the phone. We have a lot of good examples of those emails coming through and, and how we can start to spot them, but there's going to be times when it's not possible to tell the difference, especially, I mean, we're, we're all doing this podcast. Um, I've been on here a couple times now. I know all three of you have been on more than I have. I would be very suspicious, very suspicious of any phone calls I got from you guys out of the blue. <laughs> um, and tying that in with how can you do something that is real in a physical world that is not related to something that is is tech heavy for communication that can get around it. Um, the example I have from a, a client, I, a customer I've worked with before, is uh, that the as a fabrication plant, and they require that everyone handed in a blank voided check as a way of updating their banking details. I remember thinking back when I first heard about this that that seemed like a little bit overboard. Um, 
but they were far more prepared for any type of deep fake, deep fake call than I was. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even on the radar, and their policy already stopped it. Yeah, the a uh, couple other things for you know business um, when it comes to trying to talk about the you know the the sensitive info. You know, maybe this is relaying some type of. PII, you know, the, the personally identifiable information, PHI, health information, your trade secrets, stuff like that. Again, Matthew and I will quick put on the tinfoil hat just for the, the podcast. And uh, but this is why we also see large organizations take things like war rooms, right? You know, it's a very secure environment to relay critical info that can only be done in person. Um, I'm sure Dr. Pepper's a secret formula is somewhere in there as well, right? It's uh, <laughs> stuff that everyone wants, but you have to secure it, right? Stuff like that. Um, the other things, would, and this is maybe a little tying into the personal side of things of what impl- uh, people should just be aware of is I'm sure that people are using some type of vocal recognition. Wells Fargo, Chase, TD Bank, Fidelity Investments. All these major banks now are doing vocal recognition to fingerprint who you are to validate that you can just get in without having to provide all the last four of your social, first names, all that kind of stuff. I can spoof a phone number in two minutes and it'll take me a little bit longer to do 20 to 30 minutes on a deep fake. I might be able to get all your banking info and just call the bank and say, please transfer me the money, right? It's again, tinfoil hat, but those are the things that we should be teaching people about as well. Exactly. There's obviously the the same things we we talk about during every podcast, MFA on everything. Anytime you can use a solution that doesn't have that human error, error part of it, such as HR software that you then sign into and update things on, where it's up to the individual to ensure they're keeping their MFA safe, those types of things, ensuring there is as much security as possible on your network, access control lists, everything, so that someone who does maybe answer the phone and and shouldn't have access to something can't give it to the wrong person, right? Having those gatekeepers along the way, the things that we, like I said, harp on about every call, (laughs) those always help. I don't know if you're like me, Matthew, but uh, I've joked with my wife, you know, whenever she wants to say, hey, what's you know, my kid's social security number or something like that, right? I go, I'm going to text you a six-digit code and I want you to repeat it back to me. Um, There's a little bit of joking in that. But at the same time, it's like, do I start multi-factoring my conversations with my wife (laughs) or, you know, someone else? Um, So again, kind of the down the road future consideration. We don't actually do that, but I always joke about it. I I did have a situation where I I called my partner back the other day instead of giving them information over the phone. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Again, paranoid. But these types of things are are what we're trained for. And if I'm going to do it at work, I'm going to do it at home as well. Uh, I mentioned in the last podcast that I have 4FA on some of the things that I sign into. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I, the, the instructions I have for my wife on what she needs to do if I'm unable to get into certain things, if, if I'm unavailable, if I'm flying, whatever, and I, I'm like, here's something you need. 
here's 16 pages of instructions for you to get into it. I've apologized already. Uh, there's nothing else I could do because that's what makes me feel comfortable. Um, the documents that we have here, I mean, I know this is a maybe semi-specific to me. I know it impacts a lot of people, but my parents back in Australia still have a lot of the documents that I that, that prove who I am and who I say I am. If I can't get to them, my wife needs to be able to. We need to have communications like that. And, and this is where that ties in on that personal level, right? I know we focused on the business side of things, but mm-hmm. do you trust that that information isn't going to be given out by your partner, by your family members? We don't want to think about this. We actively avoid thinking about this because the idea of someone calling your parents and pretending to be you while sounding like you is horrifying. But it's possible. Unlikely. Highly unlikely, but possible. So, yes, I'm prepared. So, <laughs> as much as I can be. Uh, I I know that we have a little bit uh, of time left today. Maybe, I guess I'm just thinking aloud. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about you know what's going to happen in the future. Um, you know, as we were kind of talking about this before we started. And I guess I want to talk a little bit about biometrics and, you know, are they still the gold standard today? But then maybe we just end on some of the fun examples of how it can actually be used for good, because we've talked a lot yeah. about the bad side. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so I, I really like the biometrics question because there have been. Uh, there have been a lot of meetings I've sat in on. And I'm going to be vague here because I'm not sure how much of this I'm allowed to share um, in the last year of what counts as MFA. Uh, and in short, there have been many conclusions that I've heard come to about things such as someone's walking stance, the way that they uh, maybe run or move through a space um, being considered something that they are as a form of identification. Now, it's not the only form of identification, but and. I don't have examples of this, so I will share it as well. There is potential that if you're someone who is walking into a building that has a um, card entry, maybe the camera is also checking your walking stance and the way that you're moving to ensure that it is you holding that card. Now, that's fantastic as 2FA. If they can confirm you're walking the way you normally do and you have your card at the same time, that seems wonderful. But if I can also recreate that and feed that video to the biometric system at the same time as someone swipes the card, we start having different issues. And while deep fakes aren't there yet, where does that line stop? So putting the deep uh, the tinfoil hat on even harder, right now, like I mentioned at the start, deep fakes are almost exclusively pre-recorded. Um, we start seeing a lot of computer power required to do anything automatically or live. Um, generally, if they are doing something live, there is a significant delay, 15 to 30 seconds, which if you notice something like that and you start hearing people complaining about maybe the distance or the internet speeds, I don't know, maybe maybe don't consider continuing that conversation thoroughly. <laughs> but in the next couple of years, that's going to go down. As we know with everything, the we find better ways to do things. We find more consistent ways to do things. And there's going to come a time, I believe, in the next probably five years, less than five years, where a conversation like this 
could be had by four deep fakes reacting to each other with maybe a couple of people tracking that conversation to make sure it doesn't get too out of hand. <laughs> um, those are the things that I'm keeping in mind the most. And again, I'm building policy. So I'm, I'm trying to look this far ahead to make sure the solution we come up with doesn't get instantly blown away three or six months from now when there's a jump we aren't expecting. Uh, those are the things I'm looking for. Biometrics includes anything to do with the person. So we're not just talking about fingerprints, which is the most common one, or you know, facial structures like your face ID on the iPhone. A lot of places do use voice recognition, like Nate mentioned with the banks. There's the more of these things can be faked and the easier they can be faked, suddenly two forms of biometric identification are not enough. Yeah. A form of biometric and a form of phone identification, such as a lot of places use to help you get into a building may not be enough. Yeah, I the main thing that I'm really interested in focusing on down the road is how these financial institutions start taking their uh, voice fingerprinting to a little more of a secure method. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm focusing on the. But we've done a lot of scaring uh, or <laughs> a lot of the uh, the dark side of it. A couple things yep. I just wanted to quick touch on for you know the good sides of things. Um, we, we see deep fakes in movies all the time. Uh, for example, Forrest Gump, this is back in the 90s. They stuck him into archive footage with JFK, modified all the, the mouth movements and language there to uh, make Forrest Gump possible, right? Um, Furious 7 with Fast and the Furious series. Uh, Paul Walker, he passed away mid-production. So what, they took his brother, stuck him in the car, and then overlaid his face and, you know, made a move and everything to be able to finish that movie. Um, and then Star Wars. Uh, sorry, guys, I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but um, Grand Moff Tarkin, I probably said that wrong, too, uh, is he passed away in 1994. Uh, while I was doing some research, they stuck him into Rogue One to bring him back to life. Um, and then the one really interesting one for me is Amazon recently at their uh, big conference, they demoed Alexa, or sorry, they demoed a child asking Alexa to read the deceased grandmother, The Wizard of Oz. So, you know, I thought this one was really, really interesting because this could have a really important benefit to society. Um, yeah, again, privacy or not, but the benefit of helping people go through a traumatic event or grieve with some or cope with some type of grieving, um, right, is bring back my loved ones so I can keep listening to them. That's super interesting to me. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will mention the the, the movie examples. I, I think they're precursors to what deepfakes are now. They're, mm. they're definitely worth thinking of in terms of what caused where we are now. <laughs> the Final Fantasy movie is another great example of one that was an animation that did have some of that deep fake style to it and how they implemented it. Um, the Amazon one is a, a great example of something that is one of the, the significant uses. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we all, even everyone listening, has some very strong opinions right off the bat about how they feel about that. Um, but when people are starting things and then they haven't finished them and it is something they wanted to do, I do believe that there is benefits to that. Um, no one wants to 
believe they're going to get halfway through reading someone a book that they're not going to get to finish. So definitely useful to that. Um, other upsides are, I don't know where to start. Um, I mentioned uh, online personas and avatars. We, we, anonymity online is, is important. Um, anytime you can mess with ad samples, I'm, I'm sorry marketing team, but I'm happy with it. Uh, <laughs> if I can convince um, uh, some of the larger companies that are maybe making use of our system of our data that they shouldn't be that there is a person that exists that breaks all of their rules, I'm going to do it. Those are when it starts making things less, less liable, uh, less viable for people to make use of others data. That's, that's one of the other benefits I'm seeing. Absolutely. I'm going to take the reins back as um, the marketing gals have to do is keep everybody on task. Um, so thank you, Nate and Matthew and Kelsey for being on the podcast today. You know, I think we heard a lot of the good, bad and the, the ugly as it relates to deep fakes and, you know, things that we really need to be watching out for, you know, it's great technology, but also the bad guys are going to use it to their advantage. So again, comes back to a lot of that training, training your, your company, your employees on everything to look out for. So, you know, thank you guys again, appreciated the talk. And I think what we've learned too, is that Nate it doesn't like Star Wars. So I promise not to <laughs> hold that against him. But the next podcast, I think both of you are going to be wearing your tinfoil hats. Is kind of what I derived from our conversation today. So followers, listeners, viewers, stay tuned for that. Um, but again, um, you know, we're always asking for feedback regarding any topics that you, you guys are looking for for us to discuss. And you can always submit that back to us by visiting cit-net backslash podcast or you can just email info at cit-net.com. I apologize, I said our website wrong. I should not have done that on marketing, come on. I'm sorry, so it's cit-net.com backslash podcast. All right, man, it's been a long week, but again, we look forward to chatting with you guys all next week. Thanks so much.